Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are indeed good and kind. We thank You that You have worked out such a great salvation. We thank You that Jesus Christ is indeed our prophet, priest, and king. And we thank You that by the power of Your Spirit, the good works He accomplished in this world on behalf of His people, You have been pleased to apply directly to our hearts. You've given us the gift of faith. You've given us uh, of Your grace and of perseverance. And we praise You that this is the case. And we ask, Father, uh, that we indeed may uh, persevere in this life to the end and thus see the uh, great salvation in glory in all of its splendor uh, that You have been pleased to accomplish. Uh, Thank You for our being able to gather together. And in uh, this hour now, we ask that You are pleased to bless us. Uh, Give us grace and strength to continue to serve You. Open our hearts and our minds, we pray, in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, Several years ago, uh, when... Uh, Our congregation in Sterling, Kansas, uh, had uh, Dr. John Gerstner as a a guest speaker. Uh, I don't remember uh, if it was on a a Lord's Day morning or a Lord's Day evening, but uh, as I recall, it was on a Sabbath uh, service, and uh, he uh, had preached the gospel. And uh, our closing psalm was uh, Psalm 25, Psalm Selection 25a, and I, I announced... Uh, the psalm, and it said something to the effect, To you I lift my soul, that these are your words, uh, Lord God, in you I trust. And uh, uh, Dr. Gershner came up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder, and uh, it was apparent he wanted to say uh, a word or two about the psalm selection. And uh, in only the way Dr. Gershner uh, could put it, He issued a little warning to the congregation and he said, If you do not believe in and trust in Jesus Christ, these are not your words and you ought not to sing the words of this song unless you do truly believe in Jesus Christ. And uh, it was kind of a jaw dropper (laughs) when he did that. Uh, but uh, uh, understandable, because uh, uh, if you knew uh, Dr. Gerstner, you knew him as a man who was very earnest uh, about uh, the things of God and uh, the things of the gospel. Well, in this lesson now, we come to uh, God's glory in the good news of His application of redemption. Uh, We... Uh, went through uh, last hour in uh, uh, God's working out of uh, His redemption in uh, Jesus Christ. And we we had to push a little bit to uh, uh, get through that. Uh, That's okay. Uh, I'm all right with that as long as you're willing to uh, keep up with with me uh, in this. I'm a little worried about this auditorium, though. These seats bother me. Uh, 
I'd be going to sleep if I were you. <laughs> Uh, I've been told, uh, uh, several people on many different occasions have said to me, Denny, no one would ever go to sleep when you're preaching. Uh Uh I'm up here where I can see you. (laughs) So I know people can go to sleep when I'm preaching. Uh, So if I happen to call your name... Don't be too startled. Don't be too startled. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, Good for us to enjoy uh, one another as we uh, learn to enjoy our God. God's glory in the good news of His application of redemption. The gospel uh, presented earlier now uh, uh, comes to us in this good news of how God applies uh, the work of Jesus Christ Uh, to us. Question 29. How are we made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? Uh, You see how the catechism goes immediately to uh, this idea of application and our participating in what Jesus Christ has done. And uh, notice uh, the catechism does not ask the question, how do you make yourself a participant in uh, the redemption purchased by Christ. It's a passive. See, how are we made uh, partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? This continues to be uh, the good news of the work of God on our behalf and for us. Uh, answer, we are made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ by the effectual application of it to us by His Holy Spirit. The effectual application of it to us by His Holy Spirit. Uh, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. All right, so far so good. Uh, You see... Uh, those who receive Him, that is, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, have the legal right uh, to be called uh, children of God. Ad- adoption, as we will uh, uh, discuss it uh, later, uh, it is uh, a-, a legal operation. You are brought into uh, God's family, uh, become children of God, who were, who were born. You see, something has already taken place. Uh, uh, you have already be, been born of God. If you believe in Him, you've already been born of God. This is, uh, this is ha- how the text uh, reads. And you're born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, you do not initiate this birth. It's just uh, like when you are born, you do not initiate your birth. You are born. Something happens to you. You are brought into this world. You didn't make that decision. And so it is with the new birth. It's not you who makes 
the decision. God does that work. You are born of God. He saved us, Titus 3, 5, and 6, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Those are terms that are equal to each other by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And He saved us by regenerating us and renewing us with the Spirit. And it's on the basis of His mercy. He doesn't have to do this, but He shows mercy to the likes of you and me. And so by God's mercy, He gives us the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us that we are recipients of the Holy Spirit. How doth the Spirit apply to us the redemption purchased by Christ? You see, now the Catechism is step by step uh, taking us uh, a little bit further to delineate and describe and to unfold for us uh, this idea of the application of redemption. How doth the Spirit apply to us the redemption purchased by Christ? You see, it's, it's not that we appropriate uh, the things of the Spirit, or that we appropriate the things of Christ, it's first of all that the Spirit applies uh, these things to us. And uh, uh, this is a good thing for us to understand, this, this sequence, as it were. How doth the Spirit apply to us uh, the redemption purchased by Christ? The, the Spirit applieth to us the redemption purchased by Christ, by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. Uh, so the idea is that uh, by a work of the Spirit, we are uh, given faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, theologically, uh, th this is part of an exam that uh, elders and uh, pastors are always given uh, at a presbytery meeting. Uh, talk to us uh, about the relationship between faith and the new birth. And the idea would be that the new birth always precedes faith in Jesus Christ. The, uh, and, and we would put it this way, uh, the new birth always logically precedes faith in Jesus Christ. It might be that chronologically uh, they would uh, seem to occur uh, instantaneously and at the same time. But logically, you see, in order for someone to express faith in Jesus Christ, they must have had received the new birth. You must be born again. And so logically, the new birth always precedes faith in Jesus Christ. This would be the idea. The Spirit applieth to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us. See, uh, that's the idea. And thereby uniting us to Christ. See, how do we come, come into a relationship with Christ? It's by faith. And uh, the Catechism is saying uh, to us here, and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. 
And so now we have to uh, define effectual calling, correct? I mean, this is where we have to go. I mean, this is the logic, uh, you see, of the catechism, taking us step by step through a process uh, that uh, we should understand. So reading the answer again, the Spirit applieth to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. Uh, And uh, we have to understand uh, something uh, rudimentary and basic here about effectual calling uh, before going uh, further. And so I'm going to go down uh, in the proof text here uh, to uh, Ephesians 2.8, first of all. Uh, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of, yourself, not of your own doing, uh, English Standard Version, it is a gift of God. Uh, now, uh, you can wrestle with the text uh, a little bit in this way. Uh, uh, what is Paul uh, referring to is, as the gift? Is it salvation or is it faith? And uh, my answer is Yes. Obviously, salvation uh, is a gift, uh, but uh, faith is also a gift. And uh, so it's a little hard for us to uh, uh, separate those out, uh, perhaps. Uh, But but the bottom line is, uh, you know and you understand, faith is a gift of God. You wouldn't have faith in Jesus Christ without the prior work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You see, as we talked about it just a little bit earlier with regard to John 1, 12 and 13, you're born again, and then you believe in Jesus Christ. That's the idea. That's the sequence. So, faith is indeed a gift of God. Ephesians 3, 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How is it that Christ dwells in you? What is the alone means of salvation, as the confession would put it? The alone means of salvation is faith. And uh, faith, as we've said, is a gift. And uh, additionally... Uh, What is faith? Uh, J. Gresham Machen uh, has uh, an excellent little book uh, that's called uh, 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 by this question. It's titled this question, What is Faith? And uh, it's a good read. It's an easy read. And uh, in the end, uh, I think the best way uh, to define faith and uh, coming off of uh, Machen uh, in this regard Uh, uh, the best way to define faith uh, is this, that faith is a realization uh, which you have uh, that uh, you have nothing in yourself uh, that will make you acceptable to God. It's this realization that you have nothing in yourself that uh, that makes you acceptable to God and that Everything that makes you acceptable to God is found in Jesus Christ. And you realize 
that this is the case. And there's, uh, there's an interaction, uh, as it were, uh, that takes place. There, there's this grand realization that uh, you, you look at Christ and you say, yes, everything I need with regard to my eternal state and as an answer to my sins is found in you. And nothing is found within myself. And I really realize that this is the case. And I acknowledge this and embrace Jesus Christ on this basis. And uh, there's a sense in which you can say, uh, faith is nothing at all uh, except uh, this acknowledgement, I have nothing. Christ has everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know this and you realize uh, that this is the case. And uh, this realization uh, dawns on you uh, not because you've done anything at all, because, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your mind that all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And you grasp the Savior. You, you acknowledge Him uh, in this way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful. Uh, this is getting to the idea of effectual calling now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the little word called there in the text is what the catechism uh, means by effectual calling. Uh, uh, that is, uh, by way of contrast, the text is not referring to the outward call of the gospel. See, I may, uh, in the course of uh, these lectures and uh, in the course of uh, my preaching here, uh, say to you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I call upon you to trust Him as the only source of your salvation before the living God. That's an outward call that goes to all the ears in this auditorium. And all the ears, unless you're going like this, or unless you're a little deaf, <laughs> uh, all the ears in uh, the auditorium or in the congregation hear those words. That's the outward call of the gospel. But now as you read the text in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son. You see, now something happens. It's not just an outward call, but it's a call that becomes inward. And it's a call that penetrates the heart so that you are called into and God brings you and draws you into the fellowship of believers, His church. He causes you. Uh, this is why I like First Peter uh, so much. 
Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1.3, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what happens. God, by a work of His Spirit, penetrates our hearts and uh, pulls us and draws us into actual fellowship with uh, Jesus Christ. This is effectual calling. Uh, this is the idea in contrast to the simple outward call of the gospel. And uh, some of you would even express it this way. Well, what's the matter with my friends? They've heard it and they don't get it. <laughs> well, they've heard the outward call, but they have not received the inward call. They have not received the effectual call. See, this is the danger. Uh, I'll put it this way. This is the danger of modern evangelical uh, uh, or modern evangelistic techniques of wresting a decision out of individuals. You ought not to easily and lightly wrest a decision out of an individual. They can have the outward call of the gospel and they can say, well, I agree with that and have no earthly idea about the salvation in Jesus Christ because they have not they have not received the inward call of the gospel years ago in Oklahoma uh, when I was pastor of a congregation uh, one of uh, the uh, ladies in the congregation uh, came uh, to me and said uh, in a rather frantic fashion my daughter went to a, a vacation Bible school in a neighboring church and uh, they uh, said to her in the, in the uh, uh, Bible school class, uh, who of you want to receive Jesus Christ? Uh, raise your hand. And the teacher raised her hand. And of course, when the teacher raised her hand, all the kids in the class raised their hands, mimicking the teacher. And they said, good, now you've all received Jesus Christ. And they marched all of the children uh, into the sanctuary and baptized them. <laughs> and, and that was the exact reaction of, of this lady. <laughs> and she queried her daughter uh, after this had taken place. And uh, she said to me, my daughter had no earthly idea as to what had taken place. And the people in that vacation Bible school were calling her a Christian, and she had no idea as to what had taken place. And so we have to be careful and we have to distinguish between the effectual calling of God and the outward call of the gospel. And, uh, you see, uh, uh, this is why I'm not in favor of uh, seeking to wrest a decision out of individuals. I always told my classes uh, in church, and I told my classes at the seminary, uh, I'll tell you this. You can take an evangelism class, and I'm glad for you to take the class in evangelism. But I know that my God is a much better evangelist than you are, and He knows exactly how to operate on human hearts. And He will bring more effectively 
men and women to Himself. Yes, He will utilize you. He will utilize you. And I, and I will not deny that. Uh, but I, I think you gather uh, the perspective I, I have uh, on these things. Uh, so, uh, the distinction between effectual calling and the outward call of the gospel. So now we answer the question, what is effectual calling? Uh, effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills, He doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely uh, offered to us in the gospel. Wonderful language uh, to help us. Second uh, Timothy one nine. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, and He gave us, uh, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. The purpose of grace for you and for me existed in the mind of God before you were contemplated in the eyes of your mother and father. Praise be unto God. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the nature of effectual calling in these texts... Uh, to this He called you. It's not just outward call, but He called you and uh, worked in your heart and drew you uh, to uh, Himself. Uh, to this He called you through the Gospel, the proclamation of the Word of God. Why is the preaching of the Word so important? This is a means that God uses to draw men and women to Himself. Okay, Acts 2.37, now working down into uh, the definition of effectual calling. What is effectual calling? Uh, the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery. Acts 2.37, now when uh, they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the arrest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And at the preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came upon the assembly and brought upon uh, the hearts of men and women deep conviction with regard to their sin. You see, uh, this is the idea. They were cut to the heart. They saw their sin. They saw themselves before God as they were sinners and condemned sinners, and that hell was yawning, awaiting to take them into uh, their per, uh, to its perdition forever and ever. And so they cried out. They cried out as a result of uh, this deep conviction of sin uh, before God. And then... Uh, 
what is effectual calling? Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ. Acts 2, uh, 26, 18, uh, a commission uh, given to the apostle. He was to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of God to Satan, uh, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Uh, uh, the commission was to open the eyes of the blind. Now, I'm sure that Paul and the other apostles understood that they themselves were incapable of opening the spiritual eyes of the blind. You see, just as, the, just as I know, I'm totally incapable of opening your eyes to the power of God in the gospel. But as the gospel is proclaimed... And as the words of the testimonies of God's people are heard, the Spirit utilizes that message and that gospel to open blind eyes. And uh, those of you who are in uh, this auditorium, I know that you've experienced uh, this kind of thing uh, because uh, you've been sitting... Uh, perhaps by yourself reading the Bible, uh, perhaps in a Sabbath school class, uh, perhaps in a church service, and you've been uh, hearing the pastor blather away, and uh, you, you look at the text, and all of a sudden, the light goes on, and you say to yourself, Whoa, I never saw that before. Is that what the Word of God says? And uh, it's bing! See, this is what uh, the, the Scriptures are talking about, and this is what the Catechism is talking about. Enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ. And all of a sudden, the searchlight is shown brightly on the text and you see it in that fresh and new light and realize something new and significant about Jesus Christ, the Lord. And then, effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills, He doth persuade and enable us well, we stop at the idea of renewing our wills. And it's not of a little significance that the proof text to appended to the idea of the renewal of the will is Ezekiel 36. And if you look at the larger catechism and you look at the shorter catechism, and you look at the Westminster Confession of Faith under the topic of effectual calling, and you look at the proof texts that are appended to the idea of the renewing of the will, uh, the proof texts have to do with the new birth and with uh, uh, this new birth as given to us in Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will... 
a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. Now, I want to uh, relate to you something significant about how all of this works out. Uh, I say again, see, the, the Westminster divines are careful uh, at this point. Well, they're, they're careful at all their points. Uh, but uh, they're careful at this point uh, to append uh, the text referring to the new birth uh, to the idea of the renewing of the will. All right? And what that means is uh, that you are given a new attitude and a new disposition. Okay? And that new attitude and that new disposition is an inclination of heart to follow Jesus Christ. You follow me? Okay. So, uh, uh, the great uh, illustration of this is uh, the attitude of an airplane. And uh, if any of you have small, uh, flown in a small plane, uh, there's a... a uh, what, what do I want to, want to say? There's an instrument. That's the word I'm looking for. There's an instrument on, on the uh, panel uh, that indicates attitude. And uh, the instrument has on it the, uh, the silhouette of an airplane from the rear. <laughs> so it's, it's like this, right? And there's a line in uh, 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 this instrument. And when uh, the airplane... A uh, silhouette goes below the line, it's an indication the nose is down. And when uh, the instrument, uh, the airplane goes above the line, the uh, uh, nose is up. Well, uh, this is probably in the very old planes because they've got all this sophisticated computer uh, stuff now uh, in these aircraft. Uh, but at any rate, uh, see, this, this is the idea. And uh, so uh, the nose is down. Uh, you got your dauber down. You're flying down. You're headed down. You're <laughs> this is your attitude, you see. And uh, pilots know that they need to, to uh, watch this instrument because when they get in the clouds, uh, they can't tell always whether the nose is up or the nose is down in the air, airplane. Uh, I mean, you, you lose that sense uh, uh, when you're in the clouds and when you're in the soup. So you have to watch your instruments. And uh, uh, the whole idea here is now that your attitude is changed. Say, uh, poor me, I'm just, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm always down, I'm always down. Negative attitude, negative uh, nanny or Nelly or uh, Ned or whatever you want to call him, uh, you see. And uh, these are people you don't want to talk to because they've always got a negative response. It doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> uh, they've got a negative response. Uh, but your whole attitude has changed. And uh, sometimes uh, it's changed in a way that uh, 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 your child has a terrible disease and people are asking you, what in the world's wrong with you? Why are you happy? You see, so we're trusting the Lord. We understand God's providence. All of these things are in God's hands. Uh, I don't have to be uh, the snake crawling in the grass. Uh, uh, my attitude has changed by virtue of the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart. See, this is what the new birth is all about. 
This is the idea of the new birth. Now, uh, what happens, friends, is this. You see, there are, there are three parts uh, that are given to us of effectual calling. So you look at the answer again. Uh, convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ and renewing our wills. See, it's quite possible for people to undergo deep conviction of sin and at the same time never be born again. It's quite possible for people to have a vision of uh, uh, Christ and gain a knowledge and an understanding of Christ, that the Holy Spirit would give them this understanding of Christ, and yet never be born again. The Great Awakening. Some of you know about the Great Awakening. The whole idea in the Great Awakening was not a great conversion of people, but that people were awakened uh, to the depth of their sin. That was the whole idea of awakening. That was the principal thing. And that among those who were awakened to uh, the depth of their sin, uh, they were more open to hear the verities of the gospel and to turn to Jesus Christ. And you would pray, you would pray that those who were awakened to the depth of their sin and began to see uh, the good things of Jesus Christ would actually be born again and turn in faith to Jesus Christ. See, all three things would have to take place in the life. And uh, so, uh, 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 when we understand uh, that this is the case, uh, you see, it's easy for us to understand uh, that we can make mistakes with regards to judging the spiritual uh, uh, position of people, uh, in the, even in the church, you see. And uh, this is why I always maintain that we need to continually preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church, because every congregation is a mixed multitude. This is the nature of the case. And we can begin to understand that this is the case, that every congregation has little children in it who need to make public profession of faith, who need to learn the gospel and understand the gospel and grow up and make public profession of faith. And it's also the case that when the elders examine individuals for membership, communicant membership in the church of Jesus Christ, the elders can make honest mistakes. I mean, this, this occurs. And so, uh, we need to continue, continually preach the gospel in the congregation uh, so that individuals begin to understand more thoroughly, you and I need to understand more thoroughly our status before God. Effectual calling. Question 32. What benefits do they that are effectually called partake of in this life? See, now uh, uh, we're continuing on with this idea of effectual calling. It's not just that we're called and we're brought into fellowship with His Son, but now there are tremendous benefits that accrue as a result of being called into the fellowship of His Son. Uh, 
What benefits do they that are effectually called partake of in this life? They that are effectually called do in this life partake of justification, adoption, and sanctification, and the several benefits which in this life do either accompany or flow from them. And so uh, there are these uh, wonderful benefits and uh, uh, you, you see the three main benefits, justification, adoption, and sanctification. And uh, what we're going to do uh, tomorrow morning, Lord willing, say, please don't go home. <laughs> oh, all right, if you have to go home. <laughs> uh, uh, what we're going to do tomorrow morning is we're going to take a closer look at uh, these benefits. All right? Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at justification a little bit uh, in this lesson, but uh, the other benefits we're going to uh, take a look at uh, in the morning. Justification, adoption, and sanctification, and the several benefits which in this life do either accompany or flow from them. So there's, there's a family, uh, as it were, of benefits that accrue to individuals who are effectually called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And uh, the catechism now is beginning to uh, break out these uh, particular uh, benefits. And so on uh, the, uh, the next page, uh, Romans 8.30, And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. Uh, you see, effectual calling uh, connected with justification. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. See, all of these things uh, connected with each other. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us to adoption, justification, adoption, uh, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Uh, for consider your calling, uh, brothers. Not many of you uh, were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Uh, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became uh, to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Sanctification. Justification, adoption, sanctification. Benefits that uh, we have as a result of our uh, being united to Jesus Christ in our effectual calling. And so then we come to uh, question 33, what is justification? Justification is an act of God's free grace whereby or wherein He pardoneth all of our sins and accepteth us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. The first thing we uh, learn about uh, justification is it's an act. It's a, uh, as the theologians uh, put it, it's a forensic act. In other words, it's a legal act. It's a pronouncement that God makes with regard to your status. And He says to you, not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> what a relief. Not guilty. It's an act that God performs. And it's an act of God's 
free grace. It's a gracious act. Rooted in God's grace. Why does God do these things? Because it's His good pleasure to be gracious to the likes of you and me. An act of God's free grace wherein He pardoneth all our sins. Yesterday, I spoke of uh, the incident where uh, the, col- uh, the wife of one of my colleagues was uh, uh, moving uh, her mother, uh, his mother-in-law, to a home. And uh, this, this poor lady, as many... Uh, uh, individuals uh, occurs in the lives of many individuals ha- had uh, lost control of her faculties in many respects, and there's no doubt that she was a Christian woman. And uh, uh, to uh, emphasize the nature of depravity, uh, uh, I uh, spoke to you about the fact that uh, this this woman. Uh, used a lot of very foul language and her poor daughter was mortified by this. And uh, it's a sad thing to see. It really is a sad thing to see. Uh, But at the same time, there's no doubt in my mind, although uh, this this lady had uh, lost uh, uh, self-control in in these uh, regards, And uh, this filth was erupting uh, from within. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind that all those additional sins and that blasphemy and hateful language was already forgiven by our Lord Jesus Christ. She was justified. What a wonder that is. We always speak of of the fact of... uh, uh, of our sins, past, present, and future, being forgiven. And that's no excuse for going ahead and sinning in the future. Uh, we're not saying that that's the case. Uh, but what we're saying is that an, if an individual is actually justified before God and sins are pardoned, and the Catechism says, pardoneth all of our sins. It includes those unseemly actions that may take place in later life over which we have lost control. And I'm fully persuaded in my own heart that that's the case, you see. And so I would comfort this daughter with this idea that this was certainly the case. And it's an index of the fact of how, uh, on one hand, how pervasive sin actually is. But on the other hand, it's an indication of how good and gracious and full the mercy of God 
is to each one of us. And we uh, all, it seems to me, should take comfort uh, in uh, these things. Uh, And uh, the Catechism goes on to say, uh, wherein He pardoneth all of our sins and accepteth us as righteous in His sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. And so, uh, the great transaction that we've talked about in other circumstances, our sins placed upon Christ, Christ's righteousness placed upon us, and God views us as individuals uh, as though we have never sinned. He pardoneth all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight. Not that we are innately in and of ourselves righteous, but because the righteousness of Christ, all of His good deeds, all of the good things, all of His obedience is placed upon us. The robes of His righteousness, the pristine robes of His righteousness are a gift to you and to me. And we are accepted in His sight and received by faith alone. As I've said already, looking at Jesus Christ and saying, yes, yes, I find my all in You, Lord Jesus Christ, and I am empty. I have nothing to offer You You have everything to offer me. The proof text, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. The propitiation, a sacrifice that assuages and pacifies wrath. Wrath directed against us, but taken by Jesus Christ. David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God accounts counts righteousness apart from works. Quoting Psalm 32, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. 2 Corinthians 5, That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting uh, to us the message of reconciliation. For our sake, God made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, sins placed upon Jesus Christ and wrath poured out upon the man Christ Jesus and His righteousness given to you and to me. Uh, 
Romans 5 again, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And the proof texts go on. Dear friends, bask in the sunshine of the beautiful grace of God in Jesus Christ. As He has freely of His own good pleasure seen fit to draw you to Himself. Isn't this glory? The glory of the good news of His application of redemption. And what can we do? Just say, Thank you, Lord. Good you are to us. And we thank you for the warmth and the grace of the sunshine of your face. Let's pray. Father, how good you are to us. Better than we could ever comprehend. Fill us with an ever-increasing understanding of the wonders of your glory and grace. Fill us with an expanding appreciation for who you are and what you have been pleased to do. And lift us up into glory itself that we may evermore give you the praise and honor that you alone are due. Bless us, uh, we pray, in these ways and in ways that we have yet to contemplate. We ask in the good name of Jesus Christ who is the only Lord and the only Redeemer. We pray. Amen.